0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather
1: spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being, and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused.
1: This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg.
0: Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week a look at airlines, world travel, and travel insurance. Matthew Upchurch, CEO of Virtuoso, will talk about the airlines as oligopolies and what that means to you. Then Julia Simpson, president of the World Travel and Tourism Council, on some staggering economic numbers about world travel and why and how it could get even bigger. And then Richard Aquino from Allianz Insurance, the largest travel insurance company in the world, on how they've changed in the post-COVID world. First up, Matthew Upchurch.
2: Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May sixth through May thirteenth. Join today for free and get an extra ten percent cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it.
0: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house.
1: It's your home, the place that's filled with memories the early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance.
3: Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
0: Matthew Upchurch. Matthew, welcome.
3: Thank you for having me, as always.
0: Uh, To paraphrase our Chinese uh, friends, we live in interesting times. We're living in a time when airfares are at historic highs. Hotel rates are at historic highs. Every airplane is full. Uh, the system seems to be—I mean, if you're if you're a travel provider, it's it's great economic times. Uh, if you're if you're a customer uh, and a traveler, uh, there are some challenges here. We got some governmental policy issues here, some airline policy issues here. Where do we go moving forward? Because if you just looked at the numbers that you shared with us. Uh, during this, uh, you know, this travel week, I mean, the numbers are impressive; they're staggeringly high. Um, I mean, everybody is is uh, is happy. I don't see a very a lot of unhappy travel providers or 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 travel advisors. But is this sustainable?
3: Well, first of all, um, we are happy, but you know, we are the one industry where the you know the product's got to be there. So there's two different things. Number one, this is a growth industry for the world. Um, And I think that, you know, my frustration personally, having grown up in this industry, is that sometimes it doesn't get taken seriously. So there's two things for me on the horizon. We have, we must make travel more sustainable, right? In other words, uh, uh, from, from all the things that we need to do from sustainable air fuel, um, you know, combating over tourism, you know, all the different things that we need to do. The other is governmental infrastructure. I mean, it's like how many billions and billions and billions, I mean, let's just talk about our own country. How many billions and billions of dollars um, have been paid in um, airline ticket fee, you know, taxes um, to basically, and we and what have we done with the modernization of our infrastructure? So some of this, the other thing that I'm also um, on is the fact that, um, you know we're we're a free enterprise organ you know country. We got to make sure that there's still competition, um, and so I think for me those are the those are the things that are going to help the consumer. Um, we've got to make sure that that travel is sustainable, and that I want to make sure that we are able to better tell the story. Nobody's going to get it perfect, but if consumers can start rewarding those organizations that are making moves towards being you know, better for the local economy, better with with, with um, environmental issues, things that affect it, um, that's that's a way the consumer can help, right? All, All right, things but let's, equal.
0: Let's go back to explaining what you're doing here. Yeah. How many people are we talking about here in Las Vegas right we now have, for Virtuoso? Just, we
3: just have over 5,000 people from 105 countries, um, and we meet here to basically meet one-on-one we'll do about 185,000 meetings one-on-one meetings in a six-day period in, yeah I mean well the appointments are four days we have some right you know learning and all that kind of stuff but it's 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 basically to to have virtuoso advisors really have real relationships with the actual people that you're that we're sending our customers too. So if you go to Patagonia or you go to South Carolina and you stay at XYZ Hotel, I actually know the general manager or the sales director.
0: Now, you talked about infrastructure. I'm gonna go down this list that you just gave me, right? Um, All the taxes that we've spent, where'd the money go, Mm -hmm. right? If you take a look at airports in this country, we haven't had a new airport since Denver. That's almost 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, some might argue, oh, LaGuardia is brand new. Well, they've redesigned a beautiful, streaming, shining, congested airport. It's it's and the walks between the you know between the curb and the terminal. I mean, you might as well be an Olympic sprinter and and be in training. So we don't see a lot of the infrastructure being improved. We don't see that we see gridlock at the airports, no matter what airport, right? Uh, there's not a runway in, in the world, whether you're in Las Vegas or you know Lagos. Uh, that can accommodate more than twenty-three takeoffs in an hour. So why are the airlines allowed to schedule thirty? You know, I mean, you're always no, nothing's working mm-hmm. now. So and you're you're at the front end and the back end of that because you're doing the original ideas of where you're going to send your clients. Mm-hmm. You're doing the transaction, mm-hmm. and then here comes the abuse.
3: Well, here comes the back, making sure that we're there to to, to help our clients when right. things go um, things go awry. But. Yeah, I mean, but this 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 comes back to, and I think the um, I think the pandemic helped some, but I mean, this comes back to I just wish that, you know, I wish that politicians and everybody um, would actually take the travel industry as a serious industry um, from a job creation from a. All the different things that it does, but you know, it's
0: what's interesting about taking it about taking it seriously. We have moments of crisis over the last thirty years, mm-hmm. in which people got a wake-up call, right? Whether it was nine eleven or the economic meltdown in two thousand eight two thousand nine, right, right. Or COVID, where people went, "Oh my God, now I understand," or the volcano in Iceland, yep. you know, where people said, yep. "Oh, I get it now. Travel really is important." Right? And then they go back doing what they're doing. Yeah, and, and,
3: and you know, and and it's interesting you mentioned that because in every one of those. You know disruptions or crises. The other thing that happened is actually the value of travel in people's lives went up. <laughs> um, they actually, you know, and obviously COVID was the worst. You know, the most biggest one of all, which is nothing motivates human behavior like having something taken away from you, took for granted. But um, a- again, I mean, also, I mean, obviously, some of these some of these these issues are things that you just can't you know fix overnight. I just wish that there was a a more ongoing better plan to do that um, in different parts of the world are doing it the other thing is we've got to we've got to maintain a competitive system too well, let's um, let's talk
0: about yeah. that because I mean right now we're seeing one airline American changing their entire distribution system changing their relationships you know you're in a business mm-hmm. and I report on a business it's all about relationships and, and mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. American Airlines basically says you know what we're not interested in that. We're not getting. We're not going to have a corporate sales team anymore. We're not really worried about our conversations, and loyalty at that point be, it gets defined as in the absence of any other option. Well, and,
3: and 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 my thing is, I'm a man. I'm all for competition, and they, and Me anybody, too. and anybody can do what they want. But let's just make sure there is some. Um, but yeah, and, hello. And so I think that you know there are a number of dispensations, whatever the right word could be, that has been given um to the industry both domestically and internationally because now it's not just our domestic carriers it's global alliances yeah you know it used to be and i don't know if the average you know listener would know this but i mean it used to be that you know one of the ways that i could keep things competitive was um you know british airways could be competing with them but now they all agree on their They all agree on their pricing and their processes. By the way,
0: we have a a term for that. It's called price fixing.
3: (laughs) Well, you said that I didn't. I'm not saying that, but But I'm just saying.
0: What you just said, though, is if everybody agrees on their pricing, what does that mean? Well, uh,
3: yeah. And so I I think. Sorry, but I had to say. The point point is is that I do think that when you have market concentration like we do now, um, that I do think that some of these policies need to be
0: reviewed. I would assume, and I think you'd agree with me, that your job and the job of all your advisors becomes more difficult, if not complicated to the extreme, when you're dealing with an oligopoly.
3: Well, and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the thing is here, at, you know, at the end of the day, the only reason we exist, right? We own nothing. We don't own the planes. We don't own the hotels. We don't, the reason we exist is because we're advocates for the client. We're advocates for the traveler, um, and you know when the airline industry way back when you know went to zero commission, right? A lot of people don't understand that. Consumers and travelers stepped up, and the really good travel advisors, you know, not only survived but thrived because they they were willing to pay their advisors, um, you know, fees for for helping them out. But you know, and
0: this goes back to our original conversation, which you and I go back to at least fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. where. The airlines versus the travel agents, they created a system of, of sort of a welfare state uh, for travel agents. They didn't pay their benefits. They didn't pay... Well, let me... Actually, you,
3: know. you and I have talked about this. There's actually... I, I like to put it slightly differently. And that is when the airlines started to consolidate in the late 70s and the airline reservation system was born, the airlines did what we today would call outsourcing. Right, they basically, or independent contractors, or gig workers today, or Uber drivers. Right, they right. were just. It's like, okay, do I hire thousands of res agents, right, and out, put them on the payroll, or do I take this technology, give it to what basically are independent contractors, and and do that? I, I'm, you know, you, depending on, on on what side of the fence you are, you could say that was a welfare state, or you could say that that was a really smart business move. The but, thing. But, they,
0: but they did one more thing. Yeah, When they did that and they put those computer systems on the desks of those travel agents, mm-hmm. they were biased systems. And the, well,
3: and that's actually that's actually a good segue. That's a that's a good segue to, whole, to
0: today. We were just leaving off on a, on a cliffhanger here yeah. of airlines putting computer systems in travel yeah. agents' offices yeah. that were biased. And to give you an example of what that was like, if I called the travel agent back in 1985 or 86 and said to them, "Hey, what's your first flight to, from New York to Chicago?" If they had a saver system on their desk, they'd tell me it would be American. And 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 because they were being incentivized by the airlines because they gave them the computer system, you can only book that. If you want to keep the system,
3: yes, yeah, the, yes, no, but the really good advice, the are really good. I, oh, I like I'm not talking about that. good
0: or bad. I'm just saying that was the way. Yeah, it was but set the, up. yeah,
3: it was. But if you were if you were doing your job for your client, then you went down to the. You know, I would say that really it was only the, the ones that were super lazy. Well, <laughs> but if you went down there, you dug dug, dug in there. But I think but what's you know more what this relevant. did. Yeah,
0: but you know what this did, Matthew, and this is, it speaks to what you guys do. Yeah, what it did was it took the the really bad travel agents out of the mix. Well, and
3: that's it, exactly. Let, let's let's. And again, what happened is is, there was a mix. When when you use the word travel agent, the problem with that word, which is why we changed our our word back in the early two thousands, is there were a massive number of people, and it doesn't. And I'm saying with all due respect, they're not they're wonderful, but it was it was a clerical job to translate. It was The command language yeah. of an airline, of an archaic uh, 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 airline command language that you had to do. So I was a, you know how we say GUI, a graphical user interface? <laughs> there were a lot of travel agents for 20 years that were a buoy. They were a biological user interface. They were always, they were just a human translator. What could be possibly cheaper than travel agent labor? Let the customer do it themselves. Let them do all the work. So then the online revolution comes, whatever, and then all of a sudden there's choice. You can do it all yourself or you can use a great travel advisor that knows all the tips and tricks. The ones that were not skilled at that, that were basically just you know, human ATMs. They went away. They went away as it happens in many industries. Those that added value before, during, and after the trip have actually flourished. I mean, they're doing better than they've ever done but this brings us back to today and that is this whole ndc thing <laughs> i don't explain so ndc n- new distribution channels so the so the airlines and the industry is trying to find new ways to new technologies that are in in their world allows for a lot more choice and a lot more flexibility you know versus the big airline reservation systems that have been there traditionally and all those details really ultimately don't matter. The issue that I have is when you have antitrust immunity, when you have near oligopoly <laughs> position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are some things that that have to have to do with the way in which we serve the customer, and so there should be some sort of oversight at the speed and demand that some of these changes are made. So I always love to I always love to do this. Uh, if you know how a lot of times somebody will say, um, well, we guarantee you that we'll guarantee you the lowest price if you come to my website or whatever, right. based on what you asked me for. <laughs> it's what you didn't ask me for. <laughs> so I may be technically correct. So for example, and it changes every day. It, it could be true. It may not be true today, but it has been true in the past. But for example, you know, this a good travel advisor knows the trick that you can go on an airline website and say, I want four people to London and you get one price. But if you'd ask for two people and two people and two different reservations, you could have a significantly different price. So the, so it's a very, you know, we call it yield management and all this kind of stuff. I don't have a fundamental problem with optimizing that, but the job of us is to be the advocate. And all we're saying is we don't mind. We don't, we're going to be competitive. But you know, to say, oh, well, you've got to change everything within X amount of time, you know, within a X amount of time. So, again. But now
0: you have an NDC problem with at least one airline basically saying you have to do it our way or no way. And and that look, the American Society of Travel Advisors just filed a complaint against with the U.S. Department of Transportation. You support that complaint?
3: I do support that complaint, and I support that complaint because I, I feel there needs to be a, some uh, speed bumps along the way here. And again, we're not we we, we have to create our own value every single day. But you have something that, you know, when a crisis happens, I'm an essential service. But when things are really good, I'm a f- complete for-profit. How dare you get in my way? You're defining
0: <laughs> you <know? laughs> the airlines. You're defining the airlines,
3: and, and and other players sometimes like that too. So the reality is, is that we just want to make sure that we're our, our advocacy is for the consumer and for the traveler, um, and we just want to make sure that that we're able to dig into some of these um, some of these issues deeper um, to, to to protect our ability to to help our, our travelers.
0: I mean, so one of your clients comes to one of your advisors and says, "Listen, I want to go to Rome tomorrow." Uh, and they're somewhat being limited now by these NDC situations that American Airlines is doing, and other airlines are watching to see if that works.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, the argument is is that they're limited. You know, you got to use multiple systems. Whatever you can make an argument. You know, I'm I'm always one of those people. I mean, you can make an argument. Well, that's your choice. You're only choosing to search one way, but it's just pragmatically it adds to You know, it adds to the complexity of it, but that is one of the issues in travel. Complexity, um, and then the way it's presented, but complexity combined with lack of competition or accessibility or transparency or things like that can be a real problem.
0: So given what you said already, Matthew, Mm -hmm. about the complexity situation with about a diminished competition or diminished competitive opportunities, Mm For someone listening to this program right now, what choices do they have? Where do they go from here? Well,
3: first of all, um, I think I want to start with one fundamental thing as a traveler that you should always think about. Um, And that is, and this one goes to Warren Buffett. Price is what you pay, value is what you get. Um, And so one of the things that's that's prevalent in our industry is... um, it's complexity and its ability to kind of like, you know, it's kind of that 42nd, where's the ball under the cup, you know? Right. And, 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 and so literally people can be te- as we said, people can be organizations or providers will not be lying when they say, you know, here's the best deal or here's the best, whatever, but it's based on what you ask. So to me, um, Our role is very simple as an advisor is to really fully understand what the client was. A good travel advisor, I have always told a good travel advisor, if you tell somebody that you're in the business of booking travel, you might as well hang up your spurs and go home because there's literally a hundred new ways of booking travel that are invented every day. The value of a great travel advisor is in asking the right questions and doing the things pre the trip, how they take care of you during the trip. So it's travel. You know, when things go wrong, not if, when things go wrong, be there the person. And then, the one that a lot of people don't understand is a lot of our top travelers have always said that the single most important thing that differentiates a transactional travel agent, basically just a booker, from a trusted travel advisor is the quality of the debrief in whatever form is appropriate
4: after after the trip, trip because
3: it becomes a learning relationship. And... This is why we're that. This is why we're here in Vegas for the 22nd year in a row, uh, and and because it's also about how do we add value, and we 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 add value um, not only through our knowledge but through human connection. I've always said, you know, the reason the the reason human beings exist as a species is because we're social animals, and so when our advisors are here meeting with people from a hundred plus countries really eight in the morning to five in the afternoon, seven minute appointments, 185,000 is because you can't take the human out of humanity. So Peter, if I send you to somebody that I just went through this hazing thing that we do every year and you're a hotel owner in Jamaica or wherever the heck it is, um, there's just something special and it just elevates the experience.
0: And it also helps us have our clients back. I mean, I've always said research online, but then have a conversation. 100%. 100%. Because people are going to research online, as anybody would, right. because you have the access to what you think is verifiable information. Well,
3: and it's, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because there's an old an old idea that the only people that go use a travel advisor are the ones that are too dumb to research it on their own. They don't know what they're talking about. No, 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 no. We specialize in luxury and experiential. We have some of the I mean, most sophisticated travelers. They have God status with this, you know, Buddhist status with that, whatever. They're exactly the opposite. They're, they are highly connected, well-traveled, et cetera. They look at their advisor as a great collaborator. So they come with all kinds of information and say, hey, this is what I've heard. My friends did this, blah, 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 blah. But that collaborator, that advisor takes all that, adds their own thing, validates things, and then also puts them in the right sequence, you know, does all the, all the logistics and has your back.
0: But at the same time, the travel process itself, whether it's an airline or a hotel. I mean, I saw a story the other day saying one airline was getting rid of kiosks. I went, well, about time. You know, I mean, every time I see a kiosk, I run, whether it's at a hotel lobby or an airline terminal, mm-hmm. because the drive for the last, what, 15 years is to automate everything. Mm-hmm. And there goes the conversation. But
3: pro- uh, my, my guess would be that the, the, whoever's ready to rid of their kiosk, they're getting the rear of their kiosk because they're expected to do it on your mobile phone.
0: Uh, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> Not for a that. person.
3: <laughs> I guarantee you they didn't add a bunch of people. And that's the problem.
0: I, I <laughs> yeah. want people. Yeah. Don't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It depends, on the, uh, it depends on the situation. I mean, I do love being able to just get everything on my mobile. I don't want a person if that person doesn't add value. So that's the only thats the only thing. is that I, went, get, I went to the airline... If that person is empowered and could actually do something.
0: I went to an airline ticket counter the other day and said, listen, I have a problem with my ticket. Can you fix this? I said, oh, we don't do ticket problems. We just fix kiosks. I said, the kiosk is the problem. Oh, my goodness. My thanks to Matthew. Anytime I want to know the real numbers and the real research, I turn to Julia Simpson president and CEO of the World Travel and Tourism Council. They do the hard research to find the hard numbers. And then it's Julia's job to let me and you know what they actually mean to all of us.
4: Oh, thank you very much, Peter. Great to be here in Las Vegas at what we're calling the Fashion Week of Travel and Tourism.
0: Well, listen, if you stay here long enough, you'll realize that Fashion Week may be a 300-pound woman in hot pants, too. So be careful. (laughs) Be careful. Everybody just dresses the way they want here. There is no dress code. You will learn this. I know this is your first time. (laughs) But let's get into other codes. Let's talk about the fact that, you know, Americans especially came out of the gate with no price sensitivity. They had had a lot of savings during the pandemic, but they made a decision, right? I don't want to buy material things anymore. I don't want to buy jewelry or clothing or a new car or new electronic devices. I want to buy experiences because my exposure to COVID was, it reminded me of my own mortality. And I just want to just, I don't care how long I'm going to do it. I'm not care. I don't care about price. I'm going. And that's what we've seen for the last year and a half. And the numbers have been outrageously high, right? Right.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, after COVID, as you said, we all felt we were locked up. We'd bought all the Netflix series and we have got the the bike, the uh, exercise bike in the corner that we're not using. And as you say, there are only so many things that you want and people want to connect. They want to get out there. So it's absolutely true with the pent up demand and also the savings. We saw a massive return uh, to travel and tourism. Now, the question is, is it going to stay at those levels? There certainly was the issue that demand was outstripping supply. You know, there's more demand than there were airline tickets to buy. There was more demand for hotels than there were hotel rooms. I think that is gonna be- begin to settle. It depends at the market. If you're looking at the luxury end, it's not settling at all you know people really want to still spend money um and in fact sometimes they want tickets on planes that you know you can't even get get on the plane i think in the broader if you like to call it the mass market of travel and tourism people are now beginning to be a little bit more careful with their money and i think and maybe
0: not by choice because when they ran out of savings they put it on their credit cards and now we have a consumer credit card debt in america of over one trillion dollars. That's unsecured credit. And many of these cards are between 24 and 28% interest. So when those bills come due, that's the wake up call. They think maybe I won't travel in October and November because I gotta pay this. And that's gotta be some kind of factor here.
4: Yeah, and also inflation, you know, some of the costs, because demand was outstripping supply, we've had some labor pressure points as well, not enough people always to do all the jobs. It's meant that, you know, prices have been high. But things are beginning to settle and calm down. Um, I think you've also got to remember, people love traveling abroad, but if you're in a big, beautiful country like America, people do a lot of domestic travel as well.
0: Although this particular past summer, what did we see? Americans leaving the country and uh, going everywhere but the U.S., and as a result, as we're speaking now, we're seeing airfare sales domestically that never showed up before. $79 tickets, $59 tickets. One airline was doing $39 tickets. And they're not waiting for September to do it. They're doing it, you know, they're doing it earlier. So, you know, the seasonality is, 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 is leading.
4: Absolutely. And Americans really did want to leave America and go, as you say, to all those popular destinations. Um, and so that's why we've seen so many people in that, you know, prime time, you know, late July, August holiday period, you've got to remember the Venices, the Barcelonas, the Dubrovniks have always been popular. This is not just a phenomenon we are seeing now. I think it's come as more of a surprise to us after there being a period of so much quiet. But, you know, there are... Our places that really organise this well, I always remember Barcelona. They're very, very famous for their cathedral that was um, designed by their famous... Uh, architect called Gaudi of course. and people used to queue in the sun for hours and it was really crowded the wonderful gift about Gaudi he had about six other buildings in Barcelona <laughs> so now you have to book online you can't turn up and get a ticket they encourage you to go to see some of the other Gaudi places which are equally beautiful they control the numbers that way so everybody gets a great experience but there isn't that kind of crush and I think lots of people can learn from that I know you we were just discussing about the Acropolis, how they're going to try and reduce some numbers there. Um, right, let's
0: take a look at those numbers. This past summer, how many people a day were getting up to the Acropolis? And by the way, record heat wave in Greece, 30,000 a day. So the Greek government announced that as of now, they're going to reduce the number that they'll let up to the Acropolis down to 20,000, right? You got to laugh at that. It's still too much. And then how many people are getting or crowding into the Louvre every week? Excuse me, every day. It's thirty thousand. They're all there to see this, the picture that they're going to come out saying it's so small. <laughs> it, it, you know, that's so much for the Mona Lisa. But these are numbers that are that in the long run are going to hurt people.
4: Yeah, but the other big thing is the world's a very very big place, and people do want to see the Mona Lisa. They do want to go to Venice, but there are other places, and a lot of. People are now want to actually get off the beaten track. A lot of Americans want to go and di- di- discover places that people aren't going to. Um, you know, northern Portugal. Portugal's massively popular with Americans this season, uh, but they're going not just to the main. I mean, Lisbon's a beautiful city, but they're 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 extending beyond. You know, people going to Spain. They're going to regions like Extremadura, not names that you immediately you know trip off the tongue. So there's plenty of space for every everybody to go to if we're just a little bit more ingenious in our, our planning.
0: And then there's the airline issue. Uh, the airlines have been hideously overscheduling their airlines. They can't make, their operational reliability is in the dumper. Uh, they can't make connection flights, because especially they're listing scheduled flights at 33-minute connect times, which is absurd. You come from the airline sector. You came from an airline, which is one of the bigger airlines, right? British Air. I mean, what is going on out there? You would think that at some point, someone could do the math and go, not a good idea to make 33-minute connect times when there's gridlock on the runways.
4: Well, it depends where you are in the world. If you look at somewhere like um, Dubai Airport, for example, you know the average time is 13 minutes to get through all the controls and security. Which is great. And it works like clockwork, so this can be done. But you mentioned Portugal. The Minister of Mm -hmm. Tourism has not been talking to the Minister of
0: Transportation because... Passport and immigration control can be two and a half hours once you've got off the flight when you arrive. Not the best welcome you can imagine.
4: Yeah, I mean Lisbon is such a beautiful city, such a beautiful country. I wouldn't be dissuaded by that, really. Um, I was in in Lisbon recently, and it is true. They need to build. They're planning on building a new airport, but it's been a long time in the planning. And I, I said to them, yeah. they've they've got it. They can open another runway, and I really would encourage the Portuguese government to act swiftly and get that other runway a bit more of the facilities open there
0: well before we talk about their runway let's take a look at the facilities they do have because they have like 16 different inspection stations at passport control only two of which are manned
4: there's your problem yeah, we've had labour shortages, you yeah. know. There are labour shortages in the hotel sector, in the airline sector. Some of the problems that you're highlighting around airlines is actually sometimes the labour shortages at the airport because obviously we've got the people that we call them under the wing, the yes. people that are putting the cargo on and putting our baggage baggage on and that's where there's been a, a labour pinch. But it is getting a bit better and also pilots, remember. Pilots have to be, um, tra- that. not only are they trained, obviously, to a very high standard. They have to maintain that standard and they get regularly tested. And obviously, after the pandemic, there was a backlog in getting people yeah. back in. So this is really the repercussions, but things are beginning to iron out. Um, the other problem we had were visas. So, you know, there were a lot of Chinese that wanted, when they opened up China, to come and visit, you know, us here in America. But the problem is that um, a lot of people were having difficulty getting visas So we really need to speed up that whole visas.
0: Earlier in our segment, I was talking about, okay, we had two things on the books prior to the pandemic. We had overtourism and we had sustainability. Have we made progress in sustainability beyond plastic straws? And and the second thing is, which we just talked about, there are certain countries in the world that are so beaten up in terms of of wait times for visas that it's hurting industries, it's hurting economies, it's hurting diplomacy. When you have a year and a half wait for people in India to come to America, or other countries in the world, it's just crazy. let's first of all talk about the sustainability.
4: Yeah, around sustainability, um, it's really interesting because we're doing so much at the World Travel and Tourism Council, firstly, in counting what our impact is. Nobody knew what the impact on greenhouse gas emissions was. We do now know what it is. Travel and tourism globally is responsible for 8% of greenhouse gas emissions. And the good news is that even though our sector is growing economically, we have managed to reduce per dollar spent the intensity of our carbon emissions output. And that's really, really important. Now, what are our two biggest areas? First of all, it's jet fuel. If we're going to travel by plane, we've got to have jet fuel. And this is not just an issue for airlines. This is everybody's issue but
0: the technology is already there for sustainable aviation fuel they've tested it it works but they're not making it in volume
4: exactly and that's why i take my hat off actually to the u.s government because under they've they've just brought out a a new um reduction into um formula no it's the reduction act
0: i'll take your word for it
4: yeah it's um, the Investment Re- Investment Reduction Act. I'm um, apologise for not getting the right terminology, but basically what it does, it's incentivising uh, producers of sustainable aviation fuel here in the U.S., the country that's making most sustainable aviation fuel that we call SAF for short is the US. Uh, It's it's incredible, and it will cut the amount of carbon, our contribution to carbon emissions when we travel and when we go on holiday. Currently, we're only making 0.05%, so it's literally a drop in the ocean. We are using every molecule of that um, in aviation today, so we need to increase uh, production there's talk also of electric planes and hydrogen but any of those ideas are much further down the road Um, SAF is the answer and as you say it's a known technology that exists and also we have regulations and financial frameworks that we've used with electric vehicles we can use those same things to incentivize it so the US is doing something about it we just need to produce more and do you have a timeline
0: now as to when they can get that ramped up to the point where it's used more and more by uh, by the airlines
4: well, as I say, this it, what the, the whole thing is. Airlines don't make their own fuel, right? So this is very much in the hands of other people. But it is, you know, we are we are hoping to get to ten or fifteen percent over the next few years. But we are reliant on governments really incentivizing it because the big oil producers. It's not something that particularly interests them in making. I think it should. They should want to make it, but it uses some quite alternative and advanced technologies like Fisher-Trope that, you know, we're not set up globally at the moment to make it. But I think the it, it's looking good because the production is beginning to speed up now.
0: You know, the other day they came out with a list of the world's most powerful passports. And how do they define a powerful passport? That having one of those passports gave you visa-free entrance into the most number of countries, right? Uh, the United States didn't score that well on that one. Uh, I think Japan did very, very well. I think Singapore did. But when you have countries that have to wait, citizens of those countries waiting three three or more years, you know, to, to come to the United States, that's unacceptable.
4: Oh, absolutely. And you've got to remember, the Chinese visitor now globally is responsible for 15% of all spending in travel and tourism. There's a rising middle class, um, Chinese Chinese visitors tended to visit in groups, and they still want to visit in groups. But they're also visiting individual, indiv- as individuals now. They're high net worth individuals, and I think you know the U.S. is really missing a trick if they don't manage to uh, produce uh, visas in a in a good amount of time. But the same is also for India. Etc. And I think sometimes governments confuse their immigration policies um, with their tourism policies. And this is very simple to resolve. You know, um, the, the, we have such thing as a tourism visas, um, and you know, you have good policies in in in, in, ha- in house in your country to deal with anybody that breaks those rules. So we shouldn't be shy of welcoming visitors to our shores.
0: So what you're saying, as we run out of time, is. You're going to see airfare start to stabilize. If that happens, it also means hotel rates will stabilize. So it'll be a little bit less painful for people to travel if they can afford it. And then, hopefully, they'll actually be able to get from point A to point B with a less uh, abusive, intrusive government application for visas and for wait times and for just crossing borders
4: exactly we should have complete seamless travel it should be completely digital now you should be able to walk through an airport without any visible controls although you know
0: what i'm going to miss i'm old school i know i'm speaking to a lot of people who are going to listen to this right now who are also old school within the next three years i don't think we're going to have any more passport stamps on our passports
4: Uh, i know we're all going to miss those but don't remember we used to have stickers on our on our suitcases yes yeah same thing
0: My thanks to Julia. It remains confusing for many travelers, the concept as well as the execution of travel insurance. Richard Aquino from Allianz on a few things you need to know and some new and very interesting kinds of travel insurance. Richard Aquino, how are you? I am well. Thanks for for having me in, Peter. I mean, look, we're now living in an era, we know about global warming, we know about climate change, we know about all these other factors you and I both lived through, thank God, we both lived through COVID, uh, but all the things that that meant in terms of insurance and coverage. And now, of course, we're seeing, uh, you know, as, as we deal with it, increasing temperatures, an unprecedented, you know, consistency of higher temperatures. Look at Arizona for 30 days, over 100 degrees Uh and now we see the flash fires that are happening already, the terrible tragedy in Maui. How does that affect the coverage that you already have for travelers? And and I'm, I'm sure you had many clients who were there. We, we, we
1: definitely did. And, you know, travel has always been impacted by weather. And, and policies for years and years uh, have had different levers that... Uh, and benefits that would really pertain to travel delays, trip interruption, uh, hur- whether it's a hurricane or, or unfortunately, a, a destination really being made totally uninhabitable.
0: I mean, you know, it's one thing if you want to buy travel insurance about whether There are certain rules, like you can't buy the insurance after the after the storm is officially named. It's like you know. Duh, but in a situation like this, with absolutely no notice whatsoever, nothing that anybody could have anticipated, the the extent and the speed at which it at which it moved, I mean, I'm sure you guys were uh, you had your your work cut out for you.
1: Well, we did. I mean, you know, the first thing we did is we're we're pulling all of our policies in in, in when there's a uh, an event like what happened in, in Maui. So we pull the policies. We know where the people are. We we get ready for the calls that come in. Um, and then the, the policies are built to really assist on the ground, uh, as well as help get people out of somewhere or into somewhere. And you had a lot. Of, you had a lot of work to do. It, it was a lot of work, uh, and it's still ongoing. And will be going, for you know, uh, for when when something happens. It's not just a week later, a month later. It's months and months later, maybe a year.
0: And yet, you know, we've seen situations and, and, you know, you guys are doing travel insurance. It's not that you're doing property insurance in this respect. But, you know, we see stuff like when you had those terrible fires in California and so many claims came in that one insurance company said, OK, we're no longer going to write policies there. Yeah. I mean, so now what does somebody do?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, at, at Allianz... Part of the policy is actually not just the benefits of trip cancellation or interruption or delay, but it's also, you know, Allianz is the largest global assistance company in the world. So wherever you are in the world and you can also, you need a helping hand during, you know, these, these climate disasters, I'll call them, you know, there's somebody on the phone to, that can help you out. And, and I think people overlook that because there's a lot of inconveniences that, that really our policies help with, but also it, it's when the going gets tough and you need you need a specialist, and that's what we do.
0: You know, it's interesting because there's you say there's so many different things that you don't even think about, right? I mean, trip cancellation and interruption insurance. Well, what does that really mean? Does that mean that okay, the trip got canceled because the 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 travel provider went bankrupt? That's happened, or the trip got canceled because the storm wiped out the city, or now we have a situation where you can't get there because a fire has wiped out a community. What's, you know, how, how is it defined?
1: Well, you know, first of all, each policy is different. So right. people need to read a policy. But if a destination is uninhabitable, if, there's, if you're going somewhere and a, and a hurricane or a fire has, has really decimated the, your hotel and it's not there, that's destination uninhabitable. So, exactly, and that's where real the benefits kicked in, uh, kick in for for that policyholder.
0: Although I've seen some language in some policies that says, "Okay, we define a destination being un- un- uninhabitable that that everything is closed, everything is destroyed, and the airlines have shut the airport. You know, the airport is not operating."
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's gotchas out there. We yeah. we try not to have gotchas. I mean, you know. Airlines take Hawaii, uh, you know, a little while back, right, with with the fires in Maui. You know, the the planes are still flying in, but what happens if you don't have a hotel to go to? What happens if there's no road to get you there? I mean, you have to look at things with a human nature touch, the full the and look at the full
0: uh, scope of the damage that was done. Exactly, and I and and, in this situation, it's unavoidable. You have to. Yeah, we've now lived through. You know this global warming. Just in the summer alone of uh, Arizona, with thirty consecutive days of over one hundred degree. Uh, weather. There are a couple of insurance policies coming out or being offered that I've read about, saying, okay, if you know, if it's if your trip is canceled or delayed or interrupted because of extreme heat, we'll cover you. Is that something you guys are thinking about?
1: It's not anything that we're thinking of today, but it's an interesting notion. And because we already have triggers, of course, in benefits for trip interruption, travel delay, that really cover things like when an airport's closed or you can't get to a destination. So there are triggers, but nothing to say if a destination's hot, you can't go. It's, it's interesting and not something well, that it re- we say it re- no to. <laughs> it redefines the
0: word hot destination. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this. Somebody listening to my show right now who's considering going on a trip, whether it's a, um, a $59 Southwest Airlines ticket, which, by the way, if you can find an airline ticket for $59 on Southwest, be sure and call me, But or you know a $6,000 cruise. When they go to make their reservation and there's an option for travel insurance, what's the one question they need to ask?
1: For, well I, that's tough with one with one question I think I'll go back to the traveler to say what are they looking for like is there a medical problem that they would need to be covered for right so the, you have to you have to as a consumer you have to say I want it for health. Right, but also the other question is, and probably one of the main questions is, where am I going in the world, and and what could happen, whether it's mother nature or human nature on that trip or getting to that trip. Okay, but who do they ask? The travel advisor is probably one of the best people to ask because they can, they know trends in the industry, and that's why you go to a, a travel
0: advisor. But really, they're just offering products. But the travel advisor can also sell you the, the policy.
1: They they can offer you the policy and 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 book the policy for you. But if you have any questions, I always say call the insurer and ask directly because whether you book through a travel advisor or you're booking something online, there's there's documents, but there's also phone numbers where there's people who can answer specific questions for your travel.
0: Now, there's Drip cancellation and interruption insurance. You and I are old enough to go back to the days when there was just flight insurance. Yep. <laughs> you know, those kiosks at the airport. I, I used to laugh all the time when I was traveling with my parents. I'm a young kid. And there are these old metal you know, vending machines at the airport. And you could actually take out flight insurance. This is about a time, by the way, when a lot of planes, actually certainly a lot more than now, didn't make it, but I mean, there, you know, you, you, for like $8, you would, you'd buy a policy and it said, well, if you lose a finger, you get $100. If you, it, was, it was like, why are you doing this? You're not going to be around when it goes <laughs> down anyway. Uh, those days are over, right? Nobody's selling those, right? No, I, I've not seen those in 30 years. Though, exactly. Yeah. So now, you, now, as I said, you're both making me feel old. <laughs> but now you've got trip cancellation and interruption insurance. That's one. There's medical, right? Which yes. may be a separate policy can be, right? I mean, what people are mostly confused about is they're saying, does my medical insurance that I, that I carry, my health insurance, cover me when I travel outside the United States? And some, my understanding is in many cases, it doesn't. I think in many cases, it, it does not. I mean, I was talking to, to a travel
1: advisor actually uh, uh, yesterday, and they buy a policy for a traveler because actually when they leave Florida, they don't have any benefits, so really, before you journey out, I would definitely check with with your with your health
0: provider because I mean, it's, e- you know, it's no so different than people who want to rent a car don't realize that their automobile policy already covers them. Correct in many, in many cases. Why would you then be, get the additional insurance from the rental car company, which really isn't insurance? People don't know that. Right. Yeah. It's a collision damage waiver. Yeah. You know, So I always tell people, bring your insurance policy to the rental car counter to prove to them that you're already covered.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a smart thing to do, right? So, so when you're taking that trip of a lifetime, you're getting on a cruise, you want to make sure what coverages you're already paying for so you, you don't get something extra.
0: You know, I will say this. People who watch The Love Boat too many times think that Doc is a nice guy. Let me tell you something. Doc is a profit center on the on these cruise lines. And even if you go to get a a, a, sleep, a you know, a seasickness pill or an aspirin, you get billed 150 bucks every time you go see that doctor on the cruise ship. So, you better have a policy that covers you not just for anything any kind of ailment either, you know, mild or otherwise, but to get you off the ship. Yeah. That's the key, to get you home. These these travel uh, bumps in the road
1: can be extremely costly.
0: Uh, I've seen it happen. I saw one guy who st- was stupid enough to try to climb the pyramids in Cairo, which you should never do, and he fell and broke his hip. He did not have any coverage whatsoever. They had to buy him five first-class seats so they could put the stretcher on the first-class seats, and the fifth seat was for the nurse they required him to, to travel back home with. So his costs were over $87,000 just on airline tickets.
1: That's, that's crazy. And, and the thing is, I see that all the time. I, I really do. And if you're thinking about when you're buying an insurance policy, whether it's through Allianz or somewhere else, you know, we always say it's kind of like an all-inclusive policy that we present our, our travelers because it has so much in it, whether it's medical, medical evac, uh, trip interruption, travel delay, baggage delay. So we, we try to put a policy that really covers a a, a large a, a large part of your travel.
0: My thanks to Richard, to Julia Simpson, and to Matthew Upchurch. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And For all the breaking travel news, you know what to do, just log on to petergreenberg.com.
1: The Ion Travel podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio.
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wonderycom survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto
3: Trader.
1: Are you ready for an all new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss.